Now, it's hard for me personally to imagine life without God. God has been part of my life from the get-go, and that is true for everyone. But so many in our world today, they do not recognize God. They do not think of God. God is in none of their thoughts. Knowing this truth, it really explains a lot when you look around our world and you see the condition of our world today. Just know that God is in none of their thoughts. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Tonight we're going to be looking at Exodus 5 and 6, chapters 5 and 6. Now bless us, Lord, as we look into your Word. May it fill our hearts with joy, but also, Lord, help us to learn. Help us to see the account of the children of Israel, of Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh and all that they went through. Lord, bring application to us in the day that we live in as well. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Tonight we're looking at Exodus chapter 5, and Moses has already made his way down to Egypt, and they spoke with the children of Israel, got the children of Israel, the leaders, excited about God visiting their people and promising to bring them out of Egypt, to bring them into the promised land. They had, this is all they had known. For as we will learn, when they come out of Egypt, 430 years from the day that they entered into the land of Egypt, on the very same day, the Bible tells us that the Lord brought them out. So 430 years, generation after generation after generation, all they had known was life in Egypt. And for a few of these generations, and we don't know how many years they had been put into forced labor, into bondage, and they were building, as we will see tonight, making bricks and building the, uh, we learned already that they were building cities for the Pharaoh, and they were forced into labor. But the Lord heard their cry. They were crying out, and that 430 years combines with a prophecy that God gave to Abram saying that your descendants will be in a land for 400 years because the iniquity of the Amorites had not yet come before me. The Amorites are still living in the land of Canaan and God gave them 400 years, a chance of repentance. God's grace is very great. 
And while the Amorites' iniquity reached that point to where God said, okay, judgment is going to come upon the Amorites, he also began to work then in Egypt to bring his people out of Egypt into the promised land as he had promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So as I've been going through the Old Testament from Genesis now into Exodus, I've been kind of looking at some key verses before we get into the study. I chose two for this chapter, Exodus chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And it tells us, so Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your house, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. So sometimes I look through and I just, this is the heart of Moses in this chapter. He's trying to figure out why, Lord, why'd you send me down here and stand before the Pharaoh, asked that Pharaoh would release our people and he refuses us and makes the situation even worse than it was for the people. Sometimes in this life, we discover that things may not go as we would think. They may not go as we would have planned things to go. But all along, we'll discover that the Lord was working and he was working to show himself strong in behalf of the children of Israel. It was not going to be easy for Israel but God would see them through. And at the same time, while he's delivering the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, he brings judgment upon Egypt for what they had done to the children of Israel. So we pick up in Exodus chapter 5. I titled this, Building Perseverance. And sometimes the Lord just needs to build us up. And I think that's what he was doing with the children of Israel here. In verses 1 through 3, the question from Pharaoh is, who is the Lord? Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. So he asked the question, who is the Lord? Moses comes back and says, the Lord is the God of the Hebrews. Now, of course, Pharaoh would not recognize the God of the Hebrews, although as we get into the 10 plagues that come upon the nation of Egypt, many commentators believe, and we'll connect some of these as we go through them, many commentators believe that God was judging the false gods of Egypt. So the plagues were not only bringing punishment to the Egyptians, but also showing the Egyptians that the God they worshiped the gods, plural, they worshipped, had no strength over the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God of the Hebrews. 
So perhaps Moses had hoped that Pharaoh would say, yeah, sure. Guys, go ahead. Go out to the wilderness. It's only a three-day journey. We can, we can take a break from the brick making. It'll be no problem. But Moses actually knew better. He was told by the Lord in Exodus three nineteen through 21, but I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even with a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. So God had already forewarned Moses. Pharaoh's not going to initially let the children of Israel go. God said, I'm sure he will not. And God is sure when he says, I am sure. Therefore, Pharaoh's denial of the Lord's command should not have surprised Moses. And yet it seems that it did. In verses 4 and 5, we pick up, it says, Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So any good boss would say, hey, get back to work. And that's what Pharaoh is saying. Get the people back to work. Because of Moses' and Aaron's intrusion, he was keeping the children of Israel from their labors. And they had developed this forced labor to control the nation of Israel. In Exodus 1, verses 8 through 11, this was their plan. A new king rose up over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Exodus 1, 9, he said to the people, Look, the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened, even in the events of war, that they join our enemies and fight against us. So go up out of the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. So this was the purpose of the labor. They wanted to control the people, so wear them out, so tire them out that they didn't feel like coming against the Egyptians, even though Israel was stronger and mightier. They lacked the weapons, of course, to do battle against the Egyptians. But what they didn't realize, the Egyptians didn't realize, and probably Israel didn't realize at this time as well, all the rigor, all the hard labor strengthened and formed Israel into a strong and formable people. But the question Pharaoh asked, who is the Lord? In Moses and Aaron's initial audience, Moses gave the opportunity by God to introduce to Pharaoh the God of Israel. Well, first of all, Moses said he is the God of Israel. But Pharaoh admitted, he said, who is the Lord? I do not know the Lord. And why should I let the people go? At that time, the Lord was in none of the thoughts of Pharaoh. Psalm 10, 4, the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. This was the condition of Pharaoh, a nation that worshiped many gods, but the true God who created the heavens and the earth was in none of Pharaoh's thoughts. 
Now, it's hard for me personally to imagine life without God. God has been part of my life from the get-go, and that is true for everyone. But so many in our world today, they do not recognize God. They do not think of God. God is in none of their thoughts. My mom came to faith in Christ and at the age of 16, and then I have three older sisters, and somewhere when my three older sisters, after they were born, mom began going to church. So though she came to faith at a, as a teenager at a revival meeting, really didn't start going to church until she had three girls of her own and began going to church. But my dad didn't go with her at first. But after I came along, dad was already attending church, came to faith when I was two months old as I've shared here in this pulpit a number of times. And so I've always had this awareness of God, especially when I was seven years old, came to faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, I forget that much of the world sometimes rarely or never thinks about Jesus. God is in none of their thoughts. Knowing this truth, it really explains a lot when you look around our world and you see the condition of our world today. Just know that God is in none of their thoughts, like the Pharaoh. Who is the Lord, and why should I let the children of Israel go out and worship him? A few years ago, still going on in many areas in our world, and some areas in our country still struggling, but there are politicians that basically have the same attitude with the church today. Who is the Lord and why should you guys attend church? You know, it's dangerous for you guys to gather together. But it makes sense when there's people in our government that have no knowledge of God. It explains a lot regarding the condition of our world today. We'll get back to that in a moment. But let's go on in our text, chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as before. Let them go and gather the straw for themselves, and you shall lay on them the quota of bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men that they may labor in it and let them not regard false words. So initially things got worse for Israel as Pharaoh increased their labor by making them gather the straw that they put in the brick kind of as a a strengthening a binder as a strengthening, not to fill, but kind of like putting fiberglass in there to make it stronger. Today we would use fiberglass. I don't think they use fiberglass in brick today. We bake, burn our bricks to make them strong. But they sun-baked their bricks back then. And when I was in Africa and South Sudan, I saw, I driving by one of the fields, I saw people doing the very same thing. They make their bricks, they dig up the clay, they sunbake them and they have their product. And I saw them producing it just like they would have, maybe minus the straw. But it appears that they had straw provided for them 
Now they were forced to go get the straw to produce that quota and the same quota, but they were unable to do so. They were unable to do so. Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters to beat Israel's leaders. So their government, actually through the forced labor, they limited their ability to worship. That's what they said. They are idle. They got too much time on their hand saying, let's go sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid upon the men that they may labor in it and let them not regard false words. To them, to Pharaoh, the worship of the Lord God who created the heavens and the earth, that was false words. They had no need of that. And so he was shutting down their worship through forced labor. As I was thinking of that thought uh, right before lunch, and then I wrote a note when I had lunch, came back and pulled out some statistics. I asked the question, the note that I wrote, what has been the impact of closing our churches in our country? And, and this is uh, an overall survey. It comes out by Gallup, the Pew Research, Lifeway Research, a uh, combination of uh, three different research groups talking about the church and not just because of COVID, although we know that that's had a great impact. But here's some statistics that came out last summer. Gallup reports that in 2020, 40% of Americans said religion was important in their lives. Well, you think, well, that's not bad. 40% of America in the year 2000, it was 59% that said religion was important. Lifeway Research reports that 70% of churches are getting smaller or are plateauing. Pew Research reports that the number of religious nuns has increased by 30 million since 2009. The nuns, they are called, they do not believe in any God. We're just nuns. We have no faith, no religion. Pew Research Center reports that 65% of Americans identify as Christians. And again, we think, well, that's 65%. That's pretty good. Well, just a decade ago, it was 77%. So we're dropping more. Lifeway Research indicates that Southern Baptist Convention, the largest Protestant Christian denomination in America, lost nearly 300,000 members between 2018 and 2019. And so from Gallup to Pew Research to Lifeway, they all paint the same picture of Christianity in America, that it is becoming less, our nation is becoming less Christian. And then I was thinking of this, and this came out in December 2021, a conservative writer, Star Parker, title of the article was More Government, Less Religion. She had this statement in the article. She says, as Americans allow themselves to be convinced that government is the answer to their lives, they become more likely to abandon faith and religion, which provide the light and principles for individuals to take control of their own lives. As Americans allow themselves to be convinced that the government has all the answers, then they begin to abandon faith and religion. So Pharaoh was trying to make this happen 
in the children of Israel. Get them distracted. Get their minds off of who is the Lord, who is God. And so again, no straw, same quota, verses 10 through 13. He kind of now just, he already told us what they were going to do. Now they enact it. The taskmasters of the people and their officers went out, spoke to the people saying, thus says Pharaoh, we will not give you straw. Go get yourself straw where you can find it. Yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. We, again, just reminded me of uh, being in South Sudan. It was several years ago in 2009, but we were up on uh, Mount Gordon. Mount Gordon was... uh, British major in the British military. He had uh, jurisdiction over that region back in the late 1800s. Charlton Heston did a movie called Khartoum that portrayed the life of Major Gordon and how he was actually killed in Khartoum. But he fought against slavery back in the late 1800s. And uh, we went up to Mount Gordon, which is my direction is right north of Nimli, where we were staying. Nimli was uh, dirt roads. I think they have an asphalt road there now. But when we were there, it was dirt roads. The compound we stayed on, there was no electricity. We were there on a construction trip. And uh, they did have a generator on the compound. They only turned that generator on for an hour or two each night to charge things up, a lot of stuff used off batteries and such, but very limited in technology. And in South Sudan, you would see, though all the guys seem to have cell phones, they had to go into some charging center to charge their cell phones. So it was pretty different than what we are used to. But the ladies, they did, besides cooking, they gathered wood, and they got water. And the gathering of wood and the getting of water occupied much of their day. In fact, the Sudanese men plainly said that men don't carry water. I guess if they don't have a woman, they do, but that is their custom there. The point I was making while we were traveling up to Mount Gordon, we saw two ladies way up that mountain gathering wood, and they would gather long sticks, twigs, put them in a bundle, carry them on their back. But they were far away from town. And we asked about that, and they said, well, because the need of wood, they didn't, it wasn't a woody area. And so as they gathered, and this would be the same thing for uh, Israel, trying to get straw. You know, initially, you gather everything that's near, but once you consume all that, you have to keep getting further and further and further. When we saw these two women... They were miles away from Nimli, where they lived. But that's because they had consumed all the wood in that area. And I I would assume that this was a similar issue as they made these bricks using the straw to strengthen the sun-dried bricks that they were using in ancient Egypt at that time. One of the commentators years ago said that they discovered an area where the bricks had 
garbage, stubble, dirt, trying to, he was assuming, that they found the time when Israel was making bricks without the provided straw that it connected to this story. I can't confirm that, but it is interesting. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much for being with us tonight as we've gathered to worship, to look into your word. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to gain a greater knowledge of who you are. Lord, I pray that your spirit would touch us in a fresh and new way as well. Not any way that goes against your word, but Lord, I'm just asking that you would just make yourself real to us in a fresh way. Give us courage, Lord, in the days that we find ourselves in. Again, Lord, we ask that you would be with those who are sick and suffering. I pray, Father, that you would be with your church throughout all the world. Help us, Lord, to stand strong in our faith. And Father, we pray that you would send revival upon this land. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.